You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in having fun on the show, we forget about the things that we've teased just five, ten minutes ago. But here's your chance right here, right now, to win two tickets to the Ingalls Asheville Classic Basketball Tournament happening Friday, November 10th, and Sunday, November 11th. This tournament features Clemson, UAB, Maryland, and Davidson. You call in right now. Be caller number four. You'll win two tickets to all games of this tournament. That's the semifinal games on Friday and the third place and championship games on Sunday. Caller number four at 844-326-3663. That's 844-FAN-PHONE. We'll win. There you go. Uh, It's your chance to win. Hey, get the tickets. You go to the games. You go to as many of the games as you want or as few of the games as you want. You want those tickets in your possession. Can we get an amen for that? 844 326 3663 is the number. And the carpro.com text line is there for you at 71307 to start your text with the word fan and away you go on the show. Mongo says, I've decided that South Carolina and Clemson should both forfeit the game this year, have a group practice, and a cookout. <laughs> Texter says, Mark, I went to see Furman last week and it was a blast. There was a there was a horse leading out the team. Horse leading out the team had to choose between that horse leading out the team and watching Clemson lose on TV or see South Carolina's most successful football program. I made the right decision. I think there's a lot of people making the right decision. So my question to you guys on Furman has been and will be, okay, if you're turning off your own team, will you turn on Furman? I'm curious. You know, I'm not trying to steer you to an answer. I'm just curious. If your own team turns you off, will you let Furman turn you on? Because the reality is they will F you all the time. They will. All right? Uh, And uh, you you will enjoy the experience on this very family-oriented show. Promise you that. Uh, Texter says, Mark, please stop beatboxing. Another one said, beatboxing works great. Did anyone think I was a solid beatboxer? No. Anyone fry? Bueller? Bueller fry? No. Scotty Mack goes, uh, Mark, give me Houston plus four over Baylor. Uh, Upset picks coming in as well uh, here on the show, which is outstanding. Uh, Guys, in this hour of the show, uh, I want to ask you, who is the silver medalist in one specific category? Um, We've got J.J. Hardy coming up on the Carolina Panthers post the trade deadline. Carolina did not make a trade in advance of Tuesday's trade deadline. Uh, and we want, we want to get to what I'm about to talk to you right now about. And that is something that broke at the very, very end of the show yesterday. Okay? Broke at the very end of the show. The one and only, the venerable one, Bobby Knight, passes away at the age of 83. All right? Um, and look, I think Bobby Knight best embodies many of us, right? Like, if I said to you guys, what are my good traits and what are my bad traits? Okay, if I said that to you, you guys could probably give me a litany of positive and negative traits, right? I'm, you know, hopefully the positive ones would be far longer than the negative ones, but I don't know. You know, if I were to list off Bobby Knight's positive and negative traits, here's what I would say, all right? Bobby Knight, phenomenal basketball coach. Knows the game better than anybody. Um, a a world-class motivator. Okay, got great results. 
truly cared about his kids and, believe it or not, had a big heart. Had a big heart. The downside of Bobby Knight, as you all know, he never had control of his temper, right? He lost jobs as a result of not having control of his temper, right? And, you know, he just largely behaved in a way that, oh, I don't know, was offsides, right? Was offsides. So um, so it's interesting to me. You know, um, do you guys, in the passing of Bobby Knight, all right, my guess is that Bobby Knight is a guy that most of the upstate really likes because he's no BS, he's no nonsense, he's blue-collar. He embodies a lot of those traits that, that we value here in the upstate, right? So, you know, like the upstate, generally speaking, um, is over to, is able to overlook some character question marks if you have a blue-collar approach, if you're hard-working, if you represent the values of the upstate of South Carolina, right? Sometimes I don't represent you guys. I'm much more middle ground, right? You guys are much more right-leaning. But I'm curious, guys, do, do you are, are your memories of Bobby Knight, right? Do you classify Bobby Knight, those memories, as mostly good, mostly negative? Mostly up, mostly down, right? What are they to you? Um, I'll never forget my favorite Bobby Knight clip, okay, when he was speaking to all of his Indiana Hoosiers, and he said, um, when my time on earth is done and my days here are past, I want them bury me upside down so the critics can kick my kiss my ass. And, like, like, that was a drop-the-mic moment from one Bobby Knight. I think he actually did drop the mic after he said that, right? When my time on earth is done and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down so my critics can kiss my ass. Like, I, I love that. He even rhymed it. It was incredible, you know? Diesel, do you believe that you could have... <laughs> it's a tough question. Tough question. Do you believe you could have played for Bobby Knight? Uh, yes. You do? Yes, I do. Uh, I think, I, I, you know, I have always been a person, if you just if you just beat me over the head with a policy or a, a methodology and you don't explain it to me, I can't get I can't get involved. I can't fully buy in. But if you tell me why we're doing what we're doing and you make a compelling case as to why this is going to work, I feel like I'm in on it. And I can be a hundred percent bought in, hundred percent bought in. Like I, I worked at a, I worked at a nightclub, and there were all these things that the club did, that I used to see the employees bitch and moan about constantly. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? Well, I had a manager pull me aside one day and go down the laundry list of all these things that they do and why they do what they do, and then I feel like, oh, now I feel like I've you know I've I've had the curtain pulled back. Now I can really get in on this thing because I realize it's all designed to screw the customers out of their money. So, like, if if I had a Bobby Knight type of coach uh-huh. and he he imparted upon us why we're doing what we're doing, I'm all in. But what about the antics, right? Like, what about the, the hands around the neck of a player and throwing a chair across the ground? And, Diesel, there was a report – uh, walked out of the bathroom with uh, toilet paper 
stuck to his backside like soiled toilet paper yeah. and said, this is what you guys are playing like <laughs> right now. Okay? Like, they, like they, they, there are some stories about Bobby yeah. Knight that, you know, like Coach K respects the hell out of him, but I mean, Coach K doesn't behave that way. Billy Donovan was an understudy of Rick Pitino. Billy Donovan can't defend some of Rick Pitino's actions. Yeah, I mean, right? I'm not saying that every I'm – not, I'm not giving him a pass on everything he ever did because there are, there are levels to this, right? Throwing a chair across the floor, that doesn't bother me. doesn't bother me one bit. It's one of those – how many times have you seen a coach intentionally to get a technical to fire his team up? Happens all the time. Now, this is an extreme case of that, right? But I, it didn't hurt anybody. Now – Putting hands on a player, putting hands around a player's neck, that's a step too far. That's a step too far. The uh, having soiled toilet paper out of the bathroom, that's just weird. I, and it, everybody's got a weird sense of humor. Everybody's got an odd thing that, you know, that, that is okay for one person, but it's not okay for another person. I mean, we, we had the clip the other last week of Tua Tugavailoa saying that, he he really felt weird being around Mike McDaniel for the first couple of weeks because he didn't know if he should laugh at his jokes. Because right. Mike McDaniel is a weird guy. Deadpan humor. He's a really, really weird guy. And we have a clip today that we're going to play yeah. uh, of him doing just that in a press conference in another country, and it doesn't play because he's just a weird guy. Yeah. So, guys, uh, the question I want to ask you, okay, uh, well, I have three, honestly, on Bob Knight. You're, you're – the, the lasting legacy of Bobby Knight to you, is it mostly positive or mostly negative? That's question number one. Question number two, could you have played for Bobby Knight? Okay? I don't know that I could have. Um, I don't, like, I think you want to have a healthy fear of your dad, right, which I did. I don't think the fear of Bobby Knight was a healthy fear, though. You know, like, you're terrified. Like, that's not a healthy fear. You don't want to be terrified of making a mistake for what coach might do. See what I'm saying? Um, and then I want to talk to you. I want to ask you guys about the most intimidating sports figures, okay, of all time. Diesel, I think Bill Belichick is somewhat intimidating. I do. Because that guy says nothing and then cuts your ass. You never get a read on, on who yeah. he is, where he's coming from. Yeah, no. You never if he get a likes read. you, if he hates you, he's going to treat you exactly the same. Um, and I'll tell you this. You know, he told when Tim Tebow was on the Patriots – he told Tim Tebow he wanted him not to do a, a seven-figure, million-dollar jockey campaign. So Tim Tebow didn't do it, and then he cut him two weeks later. And Tebow's <laughs> like, I turned down a million-dollar campaign for, for what? You know, like for, for to be cut? You told me to turn it down. Like, you never know what he's thinking. Most intimidating f- sports figures, ladies and gentlemen. Like, Bobby Knight has got to be the gold or silver medal winner. I mean, off the top of your head... Can you think of anybody more intimidating as a sports figure? Mike Tyson. Mike T- oh. Mike Tyson. There was yeah. a video that surfaced a few years back of a young fighter talking to Mike, and then Mike demonstrates a technique, which was Fighting the know, ear. Well, no, it was there was like a you know, he was pretending that there was a rope there and he was ducking under the rope to work on his head motion. Right. And to watch Mike, even at that age, and at that point he had to be late 50s maybe. I'm not sure exactly how old Mike Tyson is. But he was still lightning fast, massive, and just so aggressive with his body motion. I'm like, this guy is still terrifying at this age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get to J.D. in Greenville. 
who is up next, has a personal story about Coach Knight. Hey, J.D., what's good, man? You're off sides. Hey, guys, thanks. Yeah, I a uh, former high school basketball coach and formerly from the state of Indiana, and I had the opportunity to be invited to work two of Bob Knight's summer camps. And uh, two things. He loved teaching kids the sport of basketball. Uh, I worked a lot of different camps for Dean Smith, Lute Olson, and the, uh, Bob Knight, the entire week that we were in camp, was out there every day from the time those kids hit the floor until the time they left in there coaching the kids. He loved teaching kids the sport of basketball, and he loved the sport of basketball. The one intimidating moment that I had with him was we were all gathered as coaches after one of our sessions one night, and we were sitting around eating pizza, and uh, all of a sudden I found myself in the room alone with Coach Knight. And here I was, just a little high school coach from the state of South Carolina, and it was one of those moments of do I get up and leave too or do I sit here? And so he looked over at me and said, Coach, where are you from? And I told him. And uh, we had a nice conversation for about 10, 15 minutes, no profanity, nothing laced, expressed appreciation for me being there. So my interaction with Coach Knight was very positive. Now, I'm very aware of his actions and some of the things he did, some of the things he said that were not uh, good toward women or the way that he treated that student that ended up getting fired from IU. But uh, my interaction with him, my time with him at his camps, he was 100% committed, was there 24-7. I can't say that about some of the ki- uh, some of the coaches' camps that I worked to. Uh, never even showed up to their own camp. And so uh, a legend, a legend has, has, gone, has gone on, and I was uh, very saddened to hear it. J.D., thanks for the call, and thanks for the personal story. And I hear those stories about Coach Bob Knight and his big heart all the time. But as you guys know, right, like you guys, some, some of you guys say, well, that's clickbait. You guys are going for the headline. Well, why does local news lead with bad news? You know why? Because that's what you guys consume. Okay, like if you listen to the show every day, you know, it's about 50 50 positive and negative about Clemson. It's about 50 50 positive and negative about South Carolina. But what are the things that everybody hears that we say the negative stuff? Because the positive stuff doesn't go viral. Right. It's not that we do more negative stuff. It's that the negative stuff is what goes viral. Let me ask you this. This is a rhetorical question, but if you're if you've got local news on in the background, and you hear two different news stories come on. One of them is something wild happened in downtown Spartanburg. Here's here's what it is. Versus, hey, they're opening a new park on the outside edge of Spartanburg. Which one are you going to turn your head towards? Which one are you going to perk your ears up? You're going to listen for the wild story. Yeah. It's just it's human yeah. nature. Coming up next, videos. Now, this is not RT's diesel, but coming up next, we got videos of all of the Halloween candy that kids stole from your own ring doorbells. Or listen to the good that's being done in the community by this one particular organization. Everyone wants to see the videos of the kids stealing the candy. It is what it is. Mongo is up next. Hey, Mongo uh, wants to chime in on intimidating sports figures. Mongo, Bongo. Hey, Mongo, what's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? So my dad played uh, high school football for a legendary coach, W.L. Varner, in Woodruff, South Carolina. And uh, one of the winningest coaches in the nation and all this kind of stuff. But anyways, 
he had uh, notorious stories about him breaking broomsticks over chalkboards at halftime, uh, beating up lockers and stuff like that. There was a story about uh, he uh, used to let the visiting teams dress in the girls' locker room during football games. Oh, boy. And a school had come in, Woodruff beat the snot out of them, and uh, they decided they were going to mess up the locker room. So they smeared stuff all over the walls, toilet paper to walls and stuff. Monday morning, Coach Varner got in his uh, maroon and gold van, drove to that school, and came back with a check in his hand. So he was a pretty intimidating guy. But the funniest story, real quick, my dad said they were losing to Wahala one time. It was like 17 to 10 at halftime. And he said he came in the locker room, and they were expecting a chewing out from the coach. And said about five minutes before halftime was over, the assistant coach walked in and said, boys, I just want to let you know, Coach Varner said he wasn't going to have a halftime speech because he's too embarrassed to be in the room with you. And he said that was the greatest halftime speech he's ever had in his life, and they came out and destroyed Walhalla in the second half. Yeah, you don't lose to Walhalla with Coach Varner around. Mongo, thanks for the call, man. I do really, I do really appreciate it. Okay, guys, um, we're asking you, all right, number one, your lasting memories of Coach Bobby Knight, more positive, more negative. Uh, could you have played for Coach Knight, Coach Bobby Knight? And number three, where does Coach Bobby Knight rank among intimidating sports figures? You know, like what, what the, the traits that these guys have in common is they're not really in control of their emotions, and the, that could result in you being hurt, right? Bobby Knight, Mike Tyson, um, most intimidating sports figures, all right? Like, you feel the beads of sweat on your forehead forming if they're in the room and they're upset. Who is that to you? Congratulations to Alex from Spartanburg. Alex from Spartanburg won the tickets yeah, to Alex. go see the the Ingalls Asheville Classic. We'll have another chance for you tomorrow on the show, as will Rob Brown. And I do, do believe Monday and Tuesday we will have tickets to give away for that as well. All right, my friends. Up next, we are going to continue this conversation. Uh, most intimidating sports figures of all time, and where does Bobby Knight fall on that list? We're off sides. It's off sides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today in honor of the passing of the late, great Bobby Knight. Where does he rank on the all-time list of intimidating sports figures? Texter says, Undertaker, hands down. Well, I said sports figures, not cartoon figures, Texter. Okay? Undertaker's not a sports figure. Uh, Brandon Burnett says, hey, Mark, you're positive. Is you're a good guy? Thank you, Brandon. And you do great radio. Your negative is that you're a Florida fan. <laughs> Texter says, most intimidating sports figure, Woody Hayes. Well, I'll, Ooh, go yeah. with that. I'll go with that one. Grab the Clemson player by the face mask and punched him yeah. in the throat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Roger Carper's taking Oklahoma State plus six over Oklahoma. That's a really good pick, Roger Carper. And we've got Jacksonville State plus 15 and a half over South Carolina. So says Rodney Mintz. Uh, most intimidating sports figure, Bud Kilmer or West Canaan? Canaan? Who's that? That's from the movie Varsity Blues. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't know. Don't Played know. by John Voight in the movie Varsity Blues. Uh, this is a real one. Most intimidating sports figure, Mike Singletary. 
Rumor has it he would. <laughs> this is terrifying. Rumor has it Mike Singletary would hit people so hard with his eyes wide open that his contact lenses would fly out. Yeah, Mike Singletary with eyes open has got to be one of the most intimidating. And do you put Bo Jackson on there? Because, like, like literally, if Bo Jackson wanted you dead, you wouldn't last another second, right? Does that make him intimidating? Or is he not really that intimidating because he was mild-mannered and he had his emotions in check, right? Like, what? Mike Singletary is there. What about Mean Joe Green? What about Franco Harris, right? Franco Harris. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm truly thinking of, you know, some of the bouncers in sports. You know, some of the enforcers in hockey, right? Who are those guys? All right, my friends. Lawrence Taylor, hands down. Bill Romanowski or Ray Lewis. So says Mongo. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. We have got J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture, joining us next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate. It's offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate joined right now as we are each Thursday at this particular time by none other than J.J. Hardy flexing after a Carolina Panthers win. He called it. He called it. And we have a a drop from J.J. Hardy. Uh, Diesel, can we play the J.J. Hardy drop for J.J. with J.J. uh, on the line? I think that would be pretty cool, don't you? Here we go. As a fan, I can't be objective. There you go. As a fan, he can't be objective. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, J.J., you don't got to be objective anymore, man. You are off the schneid. How did Carolina do it? Welcome to the show. They did it by playing complimentary football. Um, I I felt good going into that game, and I didn't feel like they were that much of a better team than us at the end of the day. You know, we were the top two teams picking last year and not necessarily because we were the worst team in the NFL, um, like the Houston Texans almost was, but because we were two teams that were building new coaches and I just felt like they didn't have a distinct advantage over us. Two rookie quarterbacks, uh, two good defensive coordinators, in my opinion, and the only thing that I thought that could have tripped us up was Thomas Brown just being too new to his role as a play caller. But I felt pretty confident just based on the things that Frank Wright was saying about Thomas Brown all throughout that week with him being heavily involved with the playbook establishment, you know, going back to the spring and then um, just his readiness and his confidence in Thomas. And it was good to see Thomas come out with a plan for Bryce Young. Bryce Young looked really, really comfortable running the plays that he called. The only thing that really made him um, not on time with, you know, with his passes and running the plays was just our offensive line couldn't protect. But overall, I felt confident going into that game. Um, It wasn't like we were all that decisive in winning that game, but I just felt like the game came down, you know, to – uh, what it came down to with Bryce being able to facilitate that last drive, you know, lead us to a game-winning field goal, 
and um, didn't think we would blow them out by any means, which we did not. But I think the better team actually won, and and I think I think that could have been the pivot point uh, for our 2023 season here in Carolina. Now, JJ, you know, I liked what I saw, the way he was calling the game, the way Thomas Brown was calling the game. What he was trying to do was very, very evident. And you called it last week being an aggressive play caller. But uh, like, like you said, the offensive output still just was not there. Uh, Carolina didn't exactly blow, uh, blow the doors off on, on the offensive side. So um, what do you think what, – what's your prediction over the next two or three weeks as Bryce Young in this offense – uh, gel around Thomas Brown's play calling style. Do you do you think we get past the point where we're hoping to see a second or gasp a third offensive touchdown in a game? Do we get to the point where they look like an effective offense more than just one time per game? I think so. When you look back at this past Sunday, we should have had two touchdowns, right? You know, we were down inside the five-yard line and just couldn't punch it in. And I think given those opportunities, again, I think we would score. Uh, So going into this week versus Indianapolis, who in terms of their rankings across the board, they haven't been great on defense. They're not good at stopping the run. And so, you know, the Houston Texans only were allowing 18 points per game, you know, coming into our game. The Colts aren't that good, right? And so I think we're going to move the ball more effectively. I think when given the opportunities to to capitalize in the red zone, especially first and goal situations, I think we're going to. I don't think that they can stop us from scoring if we get in close, Um, and that's if Chuba Hubbard's running the ball. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm pretty confident uh, that we can score multiple touchdowns in the game. It may not be Bryce Young throwing for multiple touchdown passes, but I think we will find the end zone uh, multiple times in the coming weeks, not just this week versus Indianapolis, but I think the following week versus Chicago as well. I don't think either defense is strong enough to prevent us from scoring multiple times via touchdown. JJ, uh, the Dallas Cowboys come to the Carolinas uh, later this month on November 19th. Uh, Micah Parsons and company, what kind of prayer group will you be leading for Bryce Young with Micah Parsons coming to town? Um, a mustard seed based, <laughs> a mustard seed faith based prayer group. There you go. You know, there you go. That's yeah, going to be brutal, man. That's gonna, no one yeah, can block I mean, that guy. It, it 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 has that look and feel, you know, just based on, and and that's just a class situation, right? You know, in terms of weight class, you know, in the NFL, Dallas as much as I hate them, they are heavyweights, right? They got superstars on both sides of the ball. They got a, a really good quarterback in Dak Prescott. They got a really good wide receiver in C.D. Lamb, good running back. Uh, and then on the defensive side, Micah Parsons, who I really won in Carolina a few years ago, by the way. Um, you know, he leads that defense. You know, they got Stephon Gilmore, you know, a, a Rock Hill homeboy who should still be a Carolina Panther um, as their top cornerback right now with Diggs being out. They just have so many, you know, stars and, you know, productive players on that team, you know, coming in, you know, and and going to face that team with the type of roster we have. We just don't have the dogs 
I think, to, to go toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, I, 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 I'm really just hoping for a comparative showing. Yeah, I got truth. you. I got you. But, but uh, bigger picture, though, that's the only game I see, J.J., on the next eight that I would classify as unwinnable, right? Colts at the Bears, at the Titans, at the Bucks, at the Saints. I mean, three straight road games is tough, but the opponents not so much. Falcons and Packers, seven of the next eight games – I classify as winnable, especially when you can just beat the surprising Texans. You know, J.J., I thought you were nuts a few weeks ago when you said <laughs> there's multiple wins on this team's schedule, multiple wins. I got to tell you, man, of all the games I watched last weekend, college or pro, and we broadcast in a college football heavy area, the only enjoyable one that I saw was was Carolina. And you got to be feeling the same, man. Like you you look at some of these games, would it, would it shock you if Carolina beat Tennessee or beat Atlanta, or beat Green Bay, wouldn't shock me at all. Very very manageable schedule here moving forward. No, I mean, I always thought the back half of our schedule was you know, more favorable than the first half. Not that I didn't plan on winning a couple of the early games. I just felt like, I felt like going into the season that we could go easily 4-2 and two in the division. I was really thinking 5-1, and one, but, you know, we're already beyond that. So I think right now we have to look at, like you said, those games versus those teams that you named. I think they're all winnable. I think we just have to do our job. The only thing that really concerns me about any of those games is our protection, right? I think our defense, if we continue to get healthier, uh, Von Bell returns this weekend, hopefully. Uh, We heard good news about J.C. Horn maybe coming back within one or two weeks. If we get to that stretch of the schedule where our starting cornerback is back, both safeties are there, Lulu and everybody that's still there are still healthy um, and able to play, especially Brian Burns, who did not get traded. So, you know, you have to count on those guys being here now, right? So I think our defense, as we get healthy, I think you'll start seeing that unit return to the form we expected to start the season. And Bryce Young is going to get more and more comfortable we just need Ikea Kwanu to play up to his pedigree as a left tackle, in my opinion, to give Bryce the time that he needs to operate because I think we're going to get better play calling for our quarterback with Thomas Brown. I just think we have to give our quarterback time to make the plays um, that he needs to make to, to win these games. He hosts the Panthers Culture Podcast, J.J. Hardy. There were a lot of rumors and prognostications on trades especially around the ride receiver position and the trade deadline came and went and the Panthers failed to pick up anyone. Why? Incompetence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's incompetence, but I'm really, that's, I was really upset on Tuesday, you know, when nothing happened because I thought after winning the game on Sunday that that would, make them make a move in one way or the other, right? You know, and so we won a close game, 15 to 13. You saw that even though Bryce Young made plays, it it almost felt like, you know what, he made plays with the guys that we had and nobody was special that game in terms of receivers. Um, I mean, Adam Thielen has been special, so I won't take anything away from him. But if you add something to that, if you add something to Adam Thielen, you know, if you add another guy, who can get separation, can can threaten the defense with speed, how much better 
the offense could look, I felt like they might give Bryce that guy um, to help him out for the duration of the season. And then we had heard all these rumors. We talked about it extensively over the last few weeks about the wide receiver position. I was just kind of hoping that they would make a play for one of those guys. And so I was disappointed that they didn't. Um, but I, I guess they trust who's in the building. And, and, and you know, I say that competence. I mean that. But in, on, one, on the other hand, I believe that if they don't really trust the GM, you know, to to find that guy um, or his job is still being evaluated, um, then they may not want him to, to do anything that could cause a negative effect on the draft capital um, going into the 2024 season. So maybe he's in an evaluation phase right now, and they didn't want to put any of the future picks that we may have at risk. So if it's that play, then I'm more accepting of it. But I really felt that they should have gave, given Bryce or at least tried to give Bryce another weapon um, so we could really see his growth um, for the remainder of the year. Yeah, I second that wholeheartedly. Uh, with that said, J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture, joining us here on Offsides. Mark, Ryan, and Diesel, we are the fan upstate. J.J., most surprising and disappointing player on the team this year? So most surprising, I would say Chuba Hubbard. And I say it's Chuba Hubbard because, you know, he was a guy that had been maligned, you know, early in his career, you know, was had bad balance, you know, really couldn't stay upright running the football and had bricks for hands. Uh, and for a team that was hoping to get someone to spell Christian McCaffrey at that point in time, um, you know, in case McCaffrey went down, you know, Chuba just didn't, you know, meet that standard at all. I mean, it's hard to meet. Chris McCaffrey standing, but, you know, you need a running back who can catch the ball, who can be a three-down back, or at least we hope that Truly could be that. And he just didn't look like that in year one. In year two, last year, especially after Wilkes took over, um, he showed some flashes of being a really good downhill runner, you know, being a compliment, complimentary back to Devontae Foreman. And so we saw the flashes last year, but, again, we just didn't know if he was really that guy or not. And so just seeing him usurp, in my opinion, uh, Miles Sanders, you know, the, the free agent acquisition this year, and, and really it feels like he's replacing him as the, the top back on the team. Um, I think his hands have improved. I think he's a more decisive and powerful runner. Um, he looks more explosive than Sanders. And I just I want to commend him for the work that he's put in to be and ready to step into that role. So he's my he's my biggest surprise, pleasant surprise. Um, the most disappointing player, in my opinion, has been Ikwanu. I had mentioned him earlier. Um, you know, we drafted Ike Ikwanu, you know, with the, I believe, the sixth overall pick last year. And so when you go that high for a left tackle, you are hoping that that left tackle can be a stalwart almost from day one, you know, because of his measurables, because of the things that you scouted about him. And, you know, he was right there at NC State, so they should have seen him a lot, you know, there, you know, in Charlotte. And I just expected more. I just expected him to be a better pass protector than what he has shown. Um, I did have questions about him coming out of the draft, but last year, you know, he was a rookie, so I let some things slide. He really looks to have regressed a little bit or this new blocking scheme that they use really doesn't fit his play style as a 
powerful, aggressive, mauler type uh, offensive lineman. I think he's struggling with his with his assignments and this zone blocking system. And he's putting my quarterback at risk, and and that's why he's been a disappointment to me. But I do think he has the tools to fix it. But that's a lot of self work that that only he can do. And um and hopefully he's, t- he's taken to coaching. You know he's he's being very um, um, self critiquing and his techniques and everything, so he can look to improve. Because I don't want him to be the reason that we don't win some of these winnable games that we got coming up. JJ, now obviously the Stabs know each other very well between the Panthers and the Colts this weekend. I mean, Frank Reich spoke yesterday about his close friendship with D.C. Gus Bradley. It's hard to say that the Panthers could even afford to play cat and mouse with a team like the Colts. I mean, you know, you play cat and mouse when you're trying to go away from what they think you're going to do and from what they know you're good at because we don't really know what the Carolina Panthers are good at. So uh, what do you predict offensively uh, in, a, in a game plan for how the Carolina Panthers are going to try to handle this Colts defense? Frank Wright alluded to this yesterday. You know, his relationship with Gus Bradley, you know, the fact that he's grown from that Seattle scheme, that cover three scheme that they deploy out there. And that's been his staple as a D.C., and know, to now he's using a lot of quarters looks and things like that. That to me spoke to Frank Wright's intimate knowledge of the man, Gus Bradley, right, and and what he wants to do. And you know that was his team. You know, a lot of those guys were guys that Frank Wright drafted. He knows what they're capable of um, defensively. He knows what Gus likes to call defensively. He knows the signals. Um, he knows, that, you know, and I, I know, and I know that Gus knows that he knows that too, right? So he's probably going to, you know, put some wrinkles in there um, to to disguise a lot of what he wants to do. But the reality is, Frank Wright plus our passing game coordinator, Parks Frazier, they are really, really familiar with this scheme because they practice against it every single day, right? So they know Gus Bradley better than the coach know. Thomas Brown, right? So I think we have a little advantage, you know, when it comes to what we're going to do offensively because we know the soft spots in their zones. We know um, the, the the guys on their team who can't cover a man if they go man. We know where to attack them, um, I think, better than they know how to attack us. And I think that's going to give us a slight advantage. I mean, the only thing that's going to hold us back a little bit is, you know, we still have a rookie quarterback and we still have a rookie play caller and we still have a left tackle who is struggling and you know a fill-in at left guard so those are the the things that can hold us back but I think from a strategy standpoint I think we are well positioned to take more advantage of them than they are of us his name is J.J. Hardy he is owns runs operates the Panthers culture Panthers culture podcast Panthers culture account Follow him on Twitter by the same name, at Panthers Culture, and he joins us each Thursday here on Offsides. Great stuff, JJ. It was awesome to see from the team last week, man. Thanks for all you do. We'll talk to you next week. All right, we're going to get another dub this weekend, too. They, oh, listen to this. Calling his shot again. Panthers again, we, beat the Colts on Sunday. Two in a row. Two in a, two row. In a row. There you go, JJ. Yep. Uh, we look all forward right. to that. Take care, buddy. JJ Hardy of Panthers Culture. We've got the top five at five coming your way next right here. On Offsides, we are the Fan Up State.